church. Praise the Lord. It's so good to be here with you today. Hallelujah. All the way from Queen City. Some of you never heard of Queen City, but it's, a, it's down there. It's a long ways away, but it's a, it's a great, great place to be. We are a presence-based church down there. We love the Holy Ghost. We're like you. We come home here, and we go home there. So we're home, whether we're at Winter's Church or whether we're there. And so we love all of you and appreciate all of you very, very much. Hallelujah. Before I ask Pastor Tammy to come, I want to I share a word with this young man right here. Um, the Lord spoke to me just a while ago and said, tell him I've got my eye on him. The Lord said he's got his eye on you. And then he wanted me to read some scriptures over you. From Psalm 32, I want you to listen to this. I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with a bit and a bridle, else they'll not come near you. I hear the Holy Spirit saying uh, to tell you that there's a, 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 the hand of the Lord, the eye of the Lord is upon you because he's counseling you. He's advising. He's, he's setting things up for you. And uh, it's a time where he wants you to make a jump between having to be, you know, when you're a little child, sometimes you have to be controlled. Sometimes you have to be hemmed in. And, you, you're, you know, that's the parent's obligation is to put their hand on that child and refrain and restrain that child sometimes because the child can get into trouble and get into stuff he's not supposed to get into. Well, I hear the Holy Spirit saying that he's, he's wanting in this season of your life, if you'll listen to the advice and the counsel, uh, for you to come away from the restraints that have, that have been upon your life, been upon uh, where you have felt like you've been held back, you've been, been hindered, where you, it's like, and I, I'm, not, I'm not communicating it quite accurately, but it's like you feel like you've been, been hitting a wall. Uh, well, that's really, some of that uh, can be other things, but really, I think the Holy Spirit has been holding you and he's, he's setting you in a, in a season right now, brother, where, uh, where he's wanting to loose you from that. Where, where you know, you can, you, can, you can put away the, the childish things of life and you can become the man in the spirit that you're supposed to be. You know, man, that's the deal. When you grow up, you don't have to have the restraints that you had when you were a kid because you've, you've, you've matured. And the, the hand of the Lord, the eye of the Lord is on you in this season of, of life. For that, for that jump to take place. So I advise you and release that to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Pastor Tammy, would you come and greet everybody today? It's so good to see you guys. It's always a pleasure coming and getting to worship the Lord with you. And uh, yeah, it's just family. You know, we've, we've known and loved your pastors for decades now. And we're just always so thankful to get together and get to visit with them. And uh, it's just such a blessing. You guys are always a blessing to us. And I wanted to say that. I'm, I'm not going to say much more because when I ministered last week, my husband, hour and five minutes. So... <laughs> <laughs> he timed me so <laughs> so he didn't say great message honey that was really good he said hour and five minutes <laughs> love you guys <laughs> now, I love you too <laughs> she <laughs> She times me, though. I will, I will say that. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
I was actually just letting her know, hey, you know, I'm not the only one that goes that full, that long. <laughs> Boy, God's doing some stuff, isn't he? He's doing some stuff in this hour that I'll be honest with you, you know, I've, I've had a lot of adjustments I've had to make. I've had a lot of um, uh, changes in my mindset over um, how to embrace what God is doing in the hour. Uh, you know, if you, if you've like me, I, I heard your pastor say this and, and I'm the same way. I've watched God touch people in, in this hour, in this season and dramatically change their life. Uh, somebody very close to us has even told us recently, they said, I feel like I have just been born again. And they've basically been in church their whole life, but their, 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 their change has been on the level that they feel like they just got saved. And uh, although, you know, I don't believe that they just got saved, I, I can understand that because they've had such an encounter. It feels that way, such a, a momentous change that's been going on in their life. And there's a hunger level for the word. There's a hunger level for getting in deep. There may not be a lot of explosiveness going on, but it's, but it's a lot of, of dramatic internal changes that are turning people into the people that God really wants them to be. And I've been watching this, and I've not been encountering the Holy Ghost like that. And so I've been a little bit like, hey, you know, I'm not sure what's happening here or what, what am I looking at. But, you know, it's, it, it's okay. It's okay that, you know, I, he doesn't have to reach me in the same way to bring me along to the places that these folks are now catching up with. But there's, there's a, a manifestation of the Holy Ghost where he's capturing a generation. I think our, our mindset about a generation, though, needs to be adjusted where we just think of young people. I think a generation is all of us that are in this thing right now. God's bringing us up to par because there's things that he's, he's about to do. You know, I've, I've known the Lord a long time, and I can tell you this. The Lord loves to do attention getters. You know, Jesus, when he came and he started preaching, he started, you know, gathering people to hear what he had to say. You know, he, wasn't, he preached, but he didn't always have to preach. There were times that he just taught when they were listening. He didn't have to do the attention getters when they were in the right place uh, that he normally did. There's a time for evangelism in that, and then there's a time to just pour into the people that are sitting at his feet. And, uh, and I'll tell you, there's a, there's a real, I've been watching our church, and our church has dramatically changed since the beginning of the year. Uh, all the things that I dream of as a pastor are happening as far as people getting it. And it's like, you know, you're preaching the same message as you preached for 30 years, and they're like hearing it for the very first time. And they're going, wow, I, I, where'd that come from? And it's like, I, I've been saying that for six months. And it's like, it just got them. And it's like, you know, you can be a little frustrated about it or you're like, okay, well, praise God. That's the point. We want to get it. So I would encourage you, listen, uh, be, in the, be in the place that uh, you're always saying, yes, Lord, whatever you want to do, I'm on board with you. Uh, I, would, I would venture to say that I believe a lot of us are being changed. We may not even detect the changes quite yet, but there's changes that are occurring, uh, and it's God gathering us up because there's a lot of things that he's about to do. So praise God. Hallelujah. So I want to share this with you. I've, I really um, um, have been seeking the Lord about what to do when we come, uh, came to Winter's Church today. And uh, the whole, my, my pastor, Pastor Tom Springer, how many of you know Pastor Tom? You know, they call him Pastor Haha in, pa in Pakistan. <laughs> pastor Haha. He, uh, he's a wise man of God. He's been serving the Lord for so long that I think he was walking around in the days of Jesus. He's been around a while. 
And he has seen a lot of things take place in his life and ministry. And you know, one of the things that he dropped a nugget in, in my life just recently that I've been chewing on for, uh, for about six weeks now, he talked about the importance of understanding the move of God and the after move of God. And of course, when he was talking about this, it, it, was, it was kind of going in one ear and out the other, and I'm not really understanding what he's saying. But you know, when God sows a seed in your heart, it has a way of germinating and growing and producing something. And so that little seed of that conversation that he sowed between just me and him began to grow in my life. And I began to understand a little bit of how that's connected to the, the moment that we're in right now. Uh, you know, I don't know what, what's going to happen this morning. I, I really feel like God's going to heal some people today. So I'd encourage you, if you got any physical things going on, position your mindset to receive healing today. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So what I'm going to talk to you about today is pursuing the after move of God. Pursuing the after move of God. You know, I noticed, and this was the, the check in my spirit, when, uh, when God began to move and what I'm watching happen, I'm expecting some things that I saw in the 90s. I'm expecting some things that I have encountered at times. And we've had that to a measure. There, there has been that to a measure. There are still services where it, where it looks like that's going to take off. Uh, but I started recognizing real fast because it wasn't doing what I wanted it to do. I was, in, I was getting myself into danger of trying to push something and kind of being like the guy that was following David when he was sacrificing before the ark named Uzzah. And the Bible says Uzzah, the oxen stumbled, and Uzzah reached up and touched the ark, and he got struck dead for it. And then everybody began to back up and reevaluate how we're handling this presence because the ark was the presence of God. You know, the Bible, the, 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 the Hebrew, watch I can read Hebrew, the Hebrew doesn't say the oxen actually stumbled. The Hebrew says the oxen were, were trying to go in a different direction. And he was just simply grabbing the reins and trying to, to move it back on the path that he thought it needed to go. And, and that was why he was struck. And it's like, boy, you know, the great, I, I said this to Pastor Zig last night because I've been reminded of this. I knew this in the 90s. People were talking about it. Of course, we were in the center of everything at the time. But we re remembered uh, hearing this phrase, the, the enemy, the greatest enemy of the move of God is the last move of God. The greatest enemy of the move of God that's happening right now is the last move of God that took place. You know why? Because sometimes we're stuck in a gear and we don't know. And our whole Christian life is an advancing life. We're, we're moving forward. And it's not that God wants us to drop anything that he did in our life before. But he wants to be able to add to it. And in order to add to it, he's got to get us to switch to see how this operates that I already know in the season that I'm now stepping into. It's not that you'll let go of things like the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Listen, I can't let go of that. That's who I am. I'm not just a person who got baptized in the Holy Ghost. I've been a person, I'm a person that's been changed by it, and now that's who I am. And, you know, all that we do in that arena, hey, we're never going to walk away from that. We're never going to walk away from exuberant praise. We're never going to walk away from the expectancy of miracles and all of those kinds of things. However, 
All of those things are now being incorporated into the expanding thing that the Holy Ghost is doing right here in front of us. There's an after moment that is coming to the body of Christ. And right now in this position, he's trying to get us all on the same page for that that is about to happen. You know, I know for a long time that some of these end time preachers, they get stuck on only reading the book of Revelation and all the end time things. And there's a lot of those things that are going to occur. But if you really want to know the, the barometer of end time stuff that you need to be studying in the Bible, it's Ephesians chapter 4 and 5. Ephesians chapter 4 and 5 is more prophetic and more relevant to you and to me than all of the stuff about the demons that are going to come out of the pit one day and all the plagues that are going to be released on the earth one day. Listen, I plan on watching that from a different position than a lot of people are going to watch that from. And so I'm not really that concerned about the Antichrist, and I'm not concerned about the one world government. I'm more concerned about what God is doing in the body of Christ. And if you read your Bible, he's talking about a church that he's looking for. In fact, the church that he's coming for is a church that is a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any such blemish. And my God, when you look around sometimes, you go, well, I don't know how we're going to get from here to over there because it doesn't look like we got all the wrinkles worked out. It looks like we got a bunch of stains in us, in our clothing, and it looks like we can't get along. Well, I'm telling you, when you really begin to understand that God is about to do something in the body of Christ in these last days that are going to position us so that uh, this glorious church can emerge, can come forth, uh, then, then we need to, need to be flexible, pliable, bendable. And say, God, I want you to add to me. I want you to multiply in my life. I want you to take all that you've done and now cook it up and add another ingredient to the pot so that I can be the recipe that you've planned for me to be, the actual dish that you want me to be. And I think when we get an attitude like that, we, don't, we, we, lose, we lose some of the frustration that we, that we have. I don't know about you. I, I get frustrated sometimes. Uh, you know, there's things that operate in my life because I can see where we need to go as a church when, when, when I'm at home. I can see where God, God casts the vision in the leader. He casts the vision in the set man. And so I'm sometimes going, okay, let's go there. I'm ready to go today. Let's go. Let's do it now. But then you got a whole bunch of other people that you're also trying to get on board to get there. And not everybody moves at the same speed that you move. Not everybody moves the way that you want them to move or in the timing. Some of them, it's like they don't get it that day. But some of them do get it. And then some of them get it next week. Some of them get it next month. And so you're heading towards that vision. It takes a little while to get over there. And, fr and frustration, when it starts setting in and a pastor or a leader, uh, he can get a little bit depressed because he's like, my God, what's going on with everybody? How come they don't get there? Uh, how, how come they don't see this? And you gotta, you got to pace yourself I mean, it's good to be a fast-paced, moving person, but it's also wise to be a, be a, a person who, who moves with the flows of how the Holy Ghost is actually bringing this to pass. We want it to cook up today, but God's not always uh, uh, interested in, in just you experiencing the move of God. He wants the people around you that are in your circle, in your, in your metron. He wants those people around you to be able to encounter God also. We, we have to come back to this place. Of course, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. We have to come back to this place where we recognize that, that, that the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, uh, Jesus, Jesus was speaking to us about this baptism in the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter one, at 1, and he told us that you'll be witnesses unto me. That's how the old King James words it. Listen, it's deliberate. I know the new King James says you'll be witnesses to me. 
But unto me is actually more deliberate than, so, that, so that it's communicated what is actually being said. This is one of those examples where the old King James Version is actually communicating better than some of our modern translations. Because unto me means I've actually witnessed him. You'll be a witness of me and then now you can go carrying me and your witness of me to the circle around you. Listen, there's a, there's a, there's a point you know, that, that he wants you baptized in the Holy It's not just so you can yabba-dabba-do. It's so that you can come to a place where the, where the work of God inside of you begins to grow and capture the people around you. That your circle begins to change and it begins to expand. And, uh, and the influence of Jesus making him famous begins to go to the uttermost parts of the earth. Hallelujah. I got to slow it down because I'm jumping ahead of myself here. Let's, Matthew chapter 3. I, I'm sorry, Joe. Uh, I love you guys very much. You get, they're, they're, that, y'all are just a beautiful couple. Praise God. I just love you guys. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 3. I, I read the New King James Version. I still think a lot in the Old King James, so I have to kind of be careful. I've tried to jump to other translations, but my brain won't uh, adjust just yet. So I, I'll delve into them a little bit. But I try to stick with what my brain is functioning in because I'll end up saying those scriptures anyway, if I, even if I'm reading out of a different translation. But Matthew chapter 3 and verse 1, listen to this. We're going to start pursuing the after. So I want you to start looking at this first after moment in a move of God. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's really important that you understand that he's not just talking about turning away from sin. You know, this, is, this has been traditionally preached, just stop sinning and you're okay. Uh, it's good to quit sinning because wages of sin is death. It kills things in you and your life. So stop sinning. But the, but the real message here is I'm trying to get your attention because you're stuck in a rut. You are stuck in a covenant that God is now saying is getting old and he's about to fold this sucker up and put it away because it's not one that we're going to function in the future. It was only to get us to the point that we're at right now, but it's not, the, it's not the thing of the future. So repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. For John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locust and wild honey. Sounds just like Elijah, doesn't it? In Jerusalem and all Judea and all the regions around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. And when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming uh, to the baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance and do not think to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. Scholars actually believe that he was standing in the exact place that Joshua had went over into the promised land. And remember, they stacked up a bunch of stones as a witness in that place that John the Baptist was in that same location pointing at that same stack of stones and talking about that, that memorial as a witness and using it in the message. God's able to raise up children from these stones. And he said, even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And he said, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. 
And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire, and his winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barns, and he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Notice the language here. John saying, I'm indeed baptizing you with water under repentance, but he who is coming after me. Everybody say after. After, after is a very important word. If you want to understand the flows of God, after me. I'm really glad John the Baptist wasn't just stuck in the place where he thought it was going to end with him. I'm it now, and so I'm not willing to tag when the thing progresses to the next level of what God's trying to do. It's really important as you grow in the Lord that you understand that God's doing things in you, but why did he do this in me? And where is he taking me with what he's doing in me? You know, I began to understand that sometimes in my early Christianity, I made everything rise and fall on sin. You know, my whole perception of God was sin. Well, if I could just not sin as much today as I sinned yesterday, then I'm good. And I made everything about sin. I read the Bible through the concepts of just sin and repenting and all of those things. But eventually, somebody came along in my life. And they started talking to me about, you know, God wants to bring you to the place where he wants to bless you, where he wants to prosper you, and he wants to heal you, and he wants to talk to you, and he wants to multiply in your life. And I was like, really? Because I grew up like with a poverty mindset. I did not have a concept that I could be blessed in any way in a capacity. I didn't really believe that. I believed that God could heal me. I just didn't believe he would. And because all my sins, you know, all the stuff that I was doing, that I was focused on. God's not going to do that because he's still mad at me a little bit because of all the things that he knows I did. Well, you know, when I started getting a hold of that and started prospering and started increasing and started experience healing, uh, boy, it dramatically changed the way that I started thinking about God. Instead of always seeing God in the Charlton Heston Ten Commandments concept, you know, behold, all this stuff destroying and just frightening the crap out of me as a kid. It's like I started seeing God as a good God. You mean you're really not mad at me anymore? You're really a good God? See, I kind of used to think when I was a kid that God was a little bit schizophrenic because in the Old Covenant you see him this way and in the New Testament you see him this way. So I would try to gravitate over to the New Testament kind of concept of, of God because he seemed a lot nicer over here. I wanted this Jesus walking around with a lamb around his neck and smiling at everybody all the time. But I was always afraid of the God of the Old Testament striking me down. And boy, did it ever hinder me. In fact, when, when I was introduced to Holy Ghost things, that was the biggest stumbling block I had to get over because I'm thinking I need to run instead of run to the altar. I needed to run out of the place because God was now ready to kill me because he's found me now. But boy, when my mindset changed, when the after moment of God came to me, it started reshaping my position for what God had. And I started recognizing Man, you know, God wants to bless me just because he loves me. And you know what he did? It motivated me to start believing. It, motiva it motivated me to get involved. To get involved and say, Lord, I've got this money. Here, what do you want to do with my money? What do you want to do? Lord, what do you want to do? Lord, you put your call on my life. I'm a call to be a minister of the gospel. And so I've got this boo-boo that won't go away. What do you want to do about that thing to get me to another place so that I don't have to be dealing with that like I've been dealing with it? 
so that I can prosper and be in health as my soul prospers. The after. Everybody say after. After. I want you to know another after here. John chapter 16 and verse 5. John chapter 16 and verse 5. This one actually doesn't use the word after, but it is an after moment. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. They were very upset because he told them, I'm leaving. See, this is the deal. Jesus, like Elvis, has left the building. But if you've been walking with him for three, three years, three and a half years, and you've been watching him do miracles, feed the masses, and you've been watching him turn the world upside down, and then he tells you it's not unfolding the way that you're thinking it's supposed to unfold. See, they thought that Jesus the Messiah was actually, because they were believing that he was a Messiah, that he was going to actually retake the kingdom right now and reign on the throne of David and whoop all the Romans, and they were waiting for the outbreak to just straighten everything out. And Jesus was telling them, it's not going to happen quite like that. I'm going to leave. Well, they got very upset about it. They started grieving. Jesus was having to comfort them. But then Jesus starts telling them, how come, I, how, how, how come he's got to leave? He said, but now I go away to him who sent me. And none of, the, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage. Then I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he's come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. That's the lost. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. That's us, the believer. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have, listen to this, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Why? Because they were stuck in a mindset. They were stuck in a, in a, in a, in a move of God that God was transitioning them out of. And he said, I got things I'd like to talk to you about. But see, the filter, the lens with which you hear what it is you hear matters. If you read the Bible and all you see it through is the lens of the Old Covenant, you're going to miss what the Bible is actually trying to communicate to you. And it really frustrates when, you're, when you know better than that and you're listening to people that want to preach the gospel, but they're stuck in an old, old Covenant mindset, a covenant that no longer is relevant, a covenant that brought death anyway, a covenant that never could cut the mustard anyway. And when you transition from that, boy, it opens up so many other things that you just never saw before. And your whole life begins to take on a freshness. Man, I had God say this to me several times in my life. There's things I want to talk to you about, son, but you ain't ready for it. You can't hear it yet. I want to talk to you about this and that and the other, but you're not able to hear it. Well, I'm like, well, Lord, I'm listening. It wasn't being able to hear the words that was what was going to matter. It was what am I going to actually interpret those words to be and to mean. Jesus is telling them, I've got to leave. And if I can't leave, the Spirit of God isn't coming the way that I, he's supposed to come. And listen, he said, i still got many things to say to you, verse 12, but you can't bear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he'll guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. And all things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said to you, he will take of mine and declare it to you. 
a little while. Now listen, he's continuing. He's telling them the plan, but he's telling them this. Verse 16, a little while and you'll not see me again, and again in a little while you will see me. What a confusing statement to somebody who's not getting it at the moment. This is why he told them, I got a lot of things I want to tell you, but you can't get it. This is one of those things right here. He was just giving them a real good example. A little while, I'm going to go away, and you won't see me anymore, and just a little while, you're going to see me again. We would all probably scratch our heads a little bit and go, I don't get that. It doesn't make a lot of sense. See, when, you, when you're not transitioning like you need to, I'm, t- I'm, t- I'm, really, I'm, really, I'm not just talking to us at Winter Church. Listen to me. This is what's happening, I think, in the body of Christ. I think God is positioning us for a transition, and we really have to get on board with this thing. We have to allow change to take place in the way that we're seeing so that we move towards what God, God's not going to take anything away from us. He's going to add to us. There's a lot of people in the body of Christ, they just haven't been added to in the ways that us charismatic uh, non-denominational people have been added to. And, And I think God's going to start catching them up. He said, a little while, then you're going to see me again because I go to the Father. Then some of his disciples said among themselves, what is this that he says to us? A little while, you do not see me. And again, a little while, you'll see me. And because I go to my Father. Therefore, they said, what is this that he says? A little while, we do not know what he's saying. Jesus knew that they desired to ask him. And he said to them, are you inquiring among yourselves about what I said? A little while and you, do not, you will not see me, and again a little while you will see me. Jesus, listen to this, Jesus in this then present manifestation was not where, was not where the Father wanted to leave things. Now listen, I, I know I'm about to probably cut cross grain with some of the thinking that we have it really how do I say this? you know I, when I, I, I'm not knocking it it's just I look at it and I, I get a little frustrated with it a little bit because I'm recognizing that the believer means well but they probably don't understand yet when you, when you see believers walk around with a crucifix around their neck with Jesus still hanging on the cross I've been in churches before. They had a big cross behind the platform with Jesus hanging on it. And I remember one church, they took it down one time when they, when they really started moving forward. Revival started coming to that church, and they took that down. And they had a church split over it because half the congregation began to believe they've removed Jesus from the church. How dare they take Jesus away? And I'm like, that's not Jesus. Do you realize that? Here's the thing. Did Jesus go to the cross? Yes. Did he die for our sins? Yes. Is he still on the cross? How important do you think it is in your mind, in your brain, that you begin to understand that? And and could possibly, you know, really, could possibly some of the, the ways that we respond to God still are, are clouded on a, on a way, in a way that we're, we're trying to approach Jesus in a way that he is not now. Well, the present manifestation of Jesus in this discussion, in this sermon to his disciples, was not where the Father wanted th- to leave things. 
He needed to leave so that the Holy Spirit could come. And notice how his father's followers were sorrowful at the news of his departure. And they were also confused by his words. You know, there's moments in, in transitional moments of revival that it seems a little confusing. You know, I can remember in the 90s when the joy came. And I didn't want it. I'm going to tell you right now, we, we saw that, uh, this couple that we know that was older, they invited us to a meeting in Little Rock, Arkansas, where the preacher had been there for 40, 40 days. He'd been holding services for 40 days, two times a day. And I was like, well, I got to go see this because I ain't never heard of nothing like that. I've read about it, but I ain't never heard of nothing like that. I go to the meeting and inst instantly I'm sitting there and I get mad because this guy was, was, was vocal he was kind of rude. He was very uh, uh, cutting. He hated religion, and everybody in the building knew it. He came out of a, a Pentecostal religion where he was very much in bondage to it, and you could see almost the, the tone of anger, the way he was approaching things. But then people began to, to, to react to the anointing that came into I remember the anointing came into the room, and I felt like this hot cloud just sat on my head. It felt like a hot hat. Somebody just put it on our head. Tammy began to say, I feel like a hot hat is on my head. And I'm like, yes, I can feel it. My mind started, my, my thoughts started, you know, moving around, you know, in a strange way. And I was like, I wasn't sure what was happening. But, I, but all I really wanted to focus on was that preacher because I was convinced he was a false prophet. And so I responded to the altar call to really expose him because all these people are just giving these courtesy drops in this room and this is not even real. And so I get up in the line and I move one leg behind and I'm like, all right, buddy. Well, the next thing I know is I'm on the ground and I hear my wife screaming, ah, ah, and she hits the ground. Well, I still didn't want it. I still was like, this is, this is nuts. This will ruin my church. This will ruin my ministry. I'm not bringing, I'm not gonna have this in our church. We've, we've worked too hard. We have worked too hard to get where we are. Of course, we just took the church from our pastors. They had just left, and they put us in, set us in as pastors. And I wasn't about to destroy everything that they'd put together. My pastor, see, this was part of my thinking at the time. My pastor asked me to fill in for him one Sunday morning because he was going to a conference at Ramah. Uh, and this, this South African evangelist named Rodney Howard Brown was going to be at Ramah. And Pastor Tom went for two or three services at Ramah, and it was dead in the water. It was dead. And, and he said, yeah, there was some goofy person in the back just cackling real bad, distracting everybody. Well, you know, I get to church, and this is how I know. I get to church to preach that Sunday morning, and the pastor's handing out bulletins. And I thought, well, I thought you was going to be gone. He goes, nah, we left early. I said, what do you think of it? He goes, there's nothing to it. And so my mindset was, you know, that's not the direction we need to go. And so when he leaves and we take the church, we're in that mindset. We're in what God had been doing to get us to the point. And man, now it was starting to touch us. When we left that little rock meeting and came home, the preachers that took us there were friends of ours. But they wouldn't say a word to us. They never talked to us. It was kind of strange. It was almost like they're not talking to us on purpose. They're, they're deliberately not having conversation with us. It was quiet. It was a little bit strange. 
we, we come home and go back to life as normal. And I'm sitting in my office before church. Sunday school just fired off, and I'm sitting in my office uh, getting some things prepared. And that same presence that was in that meeting came into that room. Well, I began to get very uncomfortable with that. So I don't know why I did it, but I jumped up. I took off out of the office. I ran down to a classroom with the youth were in it. I'd just been a youth pastor before we became pastors, so I, was, I knew all those youth in there. I wanted to go sit in on their class to get away from that weird feeling that I was feeling in my office. I sit there, and they're like, well, hey, pastor's joining us today. And I'm sitting there, you know, smiling with the kids, and then that presence came into that room. I jumped up, ran out of that class. They're all thinking I'm strange. I'm running to one class to another trying to get away from that presence. And man, it was turning my world upside down. And there was a lot of adjustments that my mind was having to make because I didn't like what was happening. I didn't want what was happening. I was in another place with God that he was no longer there. And he was transitioning me to this other place. Jesus knew that they were getting confused with his words. And he told them, there's a lot of things I want to talk to you about, but they are not able to grasp them because they were only seeing and hearing in the move of God that was currently dying or transitioning. That's where they were seeing and hearing. It's amazing how you're, you're, you're and I've been in preacher meetings, revival preacher meetings, and the presence of the Spirit of God would fill the room. And I can remember one particular meeting in our church years ago, the preachers that were in the back were getting drawn in by the Holy Ghost, but their wives were, were right there next to them. One, one wife had her hand on her husband's shoulder, and she had long painted fingernails, you know. The, she was decked out, you know, real, kind of the Pentecostal thing. She was there. She just dug in deeper and deeper and deeper and just said, no, 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 no. And I, I, was, I watched that thinking, What's happening with this? Why, why would, by that time, I had already gotten in. I'm like, well, what, what's really going on? Well, you get stuck. Are y'all with me today? Am I, am I going too long? No. John 16, verse 17, then some of the disciples said among themselves, what is this that he says to us a little while and you'll not see me? And again, a little while and you'll see me because I go to the Father. Therefore, they said, what is this? He says a little while. We do not know what he's saying. Let me show you something else about this. John chapter 20, verse 14. John chapter 20, verse 14. Now, when she had said this, this is Mary Magdalene at the tomb, at the resurrection. She turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Now, listen, you're talking about Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene was probably closer to Jesus than probably any other single person next to John, the beloved. I mean, she absolutely sold out to Jesus. And here she is at the resurrection, and she does not recognize him. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She's supposing him to be the gardener, said to him. Is it, is it possible that Jesus could show up and we think he's the gardener? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I'll take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. 
And she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, teacher. And Jesus said to her, listen to this, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father and to my God and to your God. Listen to this. Jesus commanded Mary, don't cling to me. What is he saying? Was it really about... I know that there's this whole story about Jesus was carrying his blood into the throne room. Maybe that was occurring. Maybe that was occurring. I don't know. We don't really have a lot of the picture out of this that tells us that yet, but we can, it'll fit. Could it possibly be more in line with Jesus telling her, I don't want you to keep hanging on to the way that I was in your life in the previous season that you were in. Stop clinging to me like that. I'm telling you, it's real truth that we sometimes hang on. It's like this. We know now that what God did in the 90s was powerful. It was great. God's done a lot of things in between there. But I can't hold on to him like that in this move of God that's happening right now. I better figure out what he's saying right now. And maybe I need to get my grips off of what was in order to embrace what is. It was Jesus in the flesh in his earthly ministry that was needful to move from here. There was another move coming. Everybody say there's another move coming. coming. That she would miss if she was looking for Jesus as she knew him previously. Now, I know that's hard. I'm not talking about anything doctrinally wrong here i'm not talking about a weird concept of jesus i'm talking about learning how to grow as a believer where you don't get stuck in what god did in your life you know how many people i know in my life how many churches i wish i I feel bad for them they're stuck in another place with god and no matter what comes along you know my pastor came out of the denomination and he says, the funny thing about that denomination is it was all built around the baptism and the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And he said, because they never really advanced from that place, that every other move of God in his lifetime, and he's in his 80s now, every move of God in that denomination from that time forth has been rejected by them. They always react the same way. No! We don't want that. And then do everything they can to close it, to shut it down. Now, we can fault a denomination for that, but I think a lot of believers do the very same thing. I mean, I've had people in my prayer line before. You can tell where they were somewhere in their life. God touched them and healed them or saved them or something, and and the reaction they had was genuine, and, and they received from God. And I'm thinking of one particular individual. Every time he would get in the prayer line, he would get in that prayer line and he would start that same thing that happened to him, the initial move of God. He would do the same thing, thinking that somehow this is connected to what God's about to do in my life. When, when all that was dead works that needed to be repented of, but he never could get the concept of that. He, he saw it as now part of the formula to receive from God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16, Paul told us this, from that, therefore, from now on, everybody say from now on. from now on. 
He said, we regard no one according to the flesh. My God, what, what, what could the church be like if we would listen to this scripture for what it actually says? Regard no one. We think this scripture is all about resisting a haughty person or something. This, person, this is actually telling us we need to stop seeing one another with the faults, the failures, the struggles of the flesh, and start seeing the work of God in each other. Listen, this is very true. What would happen to us if we started knowing one another after the Spirit instead of knowing one another after the flesh? You ever been around a Christian who, who wants to tell you all the dirty laundry of people around you? That's a Christian who has no concept of how they're supposed to be seeing. They're stuck somewhere in their life, and they don't know it yet. They think that, you know, I'm t I, heard a, I heard a brother say this one time. He got caught in some kind of a tremendous scandal in his life. He was a preacher, and he was great. And so he had come through all that, come through the work of restoration. But he was telling this group of preachers, this was, a, this was a good meeting. And he was telling them, he said, you know, I'm still going through life and people are still saying, well, there's that guy who did this. And then they'll identify me with my sin. There's that guy who did this. And he said, you know, he said it would beat me up real bad. I would get condemned and feel guilty and struggle and go through the whole thing all over again until... He said, I had an older minister get a hold of me one day and said, you know, son, he said, you know why you did what you did? He goes, well, they say I did it because that's who I am. He said, no, son, you didn't do that because that's who you are. You did that thing because you forgot who you were. You fell into something that you're not anymore. The devil tricked you and you took the bait. That's not who you are. If any man is in Christ, he is a what? then how about we start looking at one another in the same lens? I'm going to tell you something about this. This is, this is part of the understanding of honor. You know, when you honor, you're not honoring somebody where they actually are. are, are. You're honoring them where they're supposed to be. I think this about God. I think that sometimes God will not respond to us because we're not responding in the right way to, to what he's placed around us. Hallelujah. I'm administering uh, to, to somebody from another church right now, and their pastor, they're, they're starving out. They're dying out. They're starving. And the pastor preaches prosperity, but the people won't get it. And so they put him on a, you know, they, they've actually just relinquished all their, their pay, and they have to work a couple of jobs on the side, and they're in their 60s, and, and it's really hard on them. They're really struggling. And I was like, hey, I was telling this person, you know what? I think you ought to pay that pastor regardless of whether you think, this is a board member, you ought to pay that pastor regardless of whether you think you can afford it at the moment. Well, we've got to pay the bills. We've got to do that. I'm like, you don't understand. You're stuck in something because of your, I mean, I understand in the natural, you, you look at all the budget and you're like, we got to meet the budget. I said, but spiritually speaking, the gift of God that God has placed in your midst, where God is going to respond to you and feed you from, you're not even honoring that thing. And so what do you think the struggle really is? Is the struggle that there's not enough money in the church? Or is the struggle that something's plugging up the flow where there's no honor? Hallelujah. Husbands and wives need to, need to understand the same thing. You know, you might be married to a rascal husband. And you're like, well, God, just straighten them out, straighten them out, straighten them out. You know. Oh, my 
I had a lady one time came to me. Her husband was, was he's a rough cop. Now, he was rough, real black and white kind of a person, not saved at all, religious to the core. And she comes to and starts wanting to pray. Pastor, we got to pray for so-and-so. I, I want to see him get saved. Oh, if he gets saved, it, it's just hard to live with him. And I understood it was hard. She, she had gotten saved, gotten her two girls into church. They were little girls. Well, you know what? He gets saved. He gets saved, gets filled with the Holy Ghost, and turns into this blaze. She, I mean, he's radical. He is so on fire. He's like a blaze. And he wants to get radical every single place. I mean, his first thing, I want to go back to my denomination and tell him, y'all are believing a lie. I mean, he was heading over there. Well, you know what? She was in that same office just several months later going, Pastor, you got to pray. I wanted him to get saved, but I didn't want him to get saved that much. She really did. And you know what? She left him. I've literally had people say stuff like that to me. I want Jesus. I just don't want him as much as the person that's really getting a big touch. I want a little. I don't want that. And I'm like, what? Why? Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we've known Christ according to the flesh, yet now, everybody say now, now. we know him thus no longer. What is this saying to us? You don't follow Jesus on a cross. Are you attacking the cross? No, I'm not attacking the cross. The message of the cross is important. But it is also important that you keep that in context with where you currently are. You know what? I'm not getting saved like I did when I first became born again. My whole, my whole, you know what? I'm serving a Jesus who is alive, a Jesus who is risen from the dead, a Jesus who's actually left the building, left planet Earth, and sent the Holy Ghost. And the only way I'm going to know the Jesus that was risen from the dead is if I know the one who's just like him, who's right here with me, God right here with me. So even Paul had the revelation that in our present condition as new covenant believers, we're not to know Christ after the flesh. We are not to pursue nor look for that kind of a relationship either. We're not to pursue or look for that kind of a relationship either. Now, I know this, this makes people uncomfortable, but it's, but it's true. Many today are looking for a suffering Savior and missing him as the victorious, risen Lord. Everybody say, Jesus is alive. You know what? If you, if you know that, and I'm, I'm preaching to the choir because you, you people know it. I wish every congregation knew this. I mean, this, this thing about coming to the things of God and, uh, you know, well, yeah, I don't feel like it today. You know. My God. What, what, where's the resurrection power in your life? You know, I started out on the, thank you. I started out on the worship team. See, I'm starting to spit, man. I'm telling you. It's... <laughs> we used to drag in years ago on the worship team. The worship leader was the pastor's wife at the time. And it was Tuesday night, 6 o'clock. And, you know, they would always tell us, we're going to practice for an hour. 
It never went an hour, always went till like 8, 9 o'clock every Tuesday night. But every Tuesday night, you're getting off work and you're grabbing something and you're eating it on the way over to the church. And it's like, yeah, well, I'm just really tired. For some reason, that was always the day you're the most tired. And you're getting in there and you're like, oh, do we have to do it tonight. And she would always quote the same verse of scripture to us, Romans 8, 11. Where the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he'll quicken your immortal body by his spirit that dwells in you. Well, I never would get that scripture. Like, well, I don't know what the point, what's the point of that? Now that's just, uh, I, don't, I don't get it. Well, until you start really having to lean in and you stir the presence up in your life. You stir the presence of God up. If you learn to do this, stir the presence of God in your life. It has this effect upon your entire being. It has this effect upon the cobwebs of your mind and the, the sluggishness of your body. It has this effect that when the anointing gets stirred up in the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that's the point, will touch your mortal body. This is not about the resurrection in the future. This is about the one you need to have right now. The resurrection, Jesus as he is now. You need an encounter. We're looking for that. We're looking, you know, I, every time I've been filled with the Holy Ghost, depression broke off, fear broke off, anxiety broke off. All the concept of my problems being so big and mighty changed. There's something about when you get filled with the Holy Ghost and you get it on you and you know it's on you. That my God, yeah, let's kill a few giants. All these things that I was complaining about a moment ago, let's pick that slingshot up and let's run toward them and take their head off today. You have a different view about everything. And if you can talk yourself into it every day, that you get out of bed and you decide this day is going to go the direction in the will of God, the way I'm saying it's going to go, not the way the devil's trying to carry it. Hallelujah. I'm telling you right now, you know, the, this, this thing, uh, uh, we're, we're, I'm spitting off Pastor Ziggy's a series on gifts and ministries of the Holy Spirit in, a, in probably a little bit different way, but I'm, I'm using that uh, as a springboard. Just recently talked about it. You know, Romans 12 talks about these things that are called the motivational gifts, motivational gifts. And we, well, I've heard it preached all kinds of different ways. You know, the, the giving and the hospitality and the mercy and the prophetic and the teaching and all, all of those, all those motivational gifts, they call them motivational gifts of the father. Well, here's the thing. Some of us, we think, I know a lot of Christians that, well, I just, I just don't like people. I just, I'm just not very hospitable. Well, you know, when I was a young, spirit-filled Christian, before I was in the ministry, I thought I was an evangelist. I was absolutely convinced I was an evangelist. You know why? Because I didn't like people. And my concept at the time was, this is the way I can get away from people. I can just blow in, blow up, and blow out, and we won't have to deal with all the people stuff of a church. And I can just have the fun stuff and then not do, not have to do all the other stuff. And that was my concept. My pastor, Pastor Tom, he said, what do you think you're called to do? I'm an evangelist. I'm going to travel. He laughed at me. But you know what happened? When I encountered the Lord in the moment, all of a sudden I became something that I didn't think that I was. You know what I've realized about people who complain and gripe in the church that they don't like people? You get them filled with the Holy Ghost again. And you get them to operating in a spirit-filled life, all of a sudden they're going to be a different person. They'll, they'll be some of the most loving, hospitable. They'll be the kind of person who complains going in the door but can't drag them out the door because all of a sudden something different has kicked in and they just don't want to leave now. 
merciful people. Some of, the, some of the people that are the biggest critics in the natural are probably some of the people God, when they get filled with the Holy Ghost, will turn into those merciful people. Oh, yeah. Hospitable people, merciful people. All, when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you are somebody then that you're supposed to be, not what you feel motivated to when you're in your carnal man. You've got to always check yourself on that stuff. Your carnal man will tell you all kinds of things that ain't true about what God's doing in your life. When you get filled with the Holy Ghost, let that begin to tell you. It's the now move of God. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. Hebrews eleven six. for he that comes to God must believe that he is. Everybody say is. And that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It's not he was, but he is. How is he now? What is he doing now? This is a big key for us in the body of Christ now. Not will be, because he talks about now faith. So what is he doing now? Everybody say, I want what's going on now. Well, when you start seeing this, it'll change the way you think about your Christianity. First John chapter 3, verse 2, Beloved, now we are children of now we are the children of God. And it has not been revealed what we shall be, but we know we but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. I would challenge you that this scripture is not just talking about a day coming. I think it's talking about every time you glimpse him, every time you see him, every time he begins to present himself. And you're embracing of how he's presenting himself. Can you see with this lens? Now, last, last section here, Acts chapter 1, verse 4. I jumped ahead. I'll, I'll go through this quick. But being assembled together with them, Acts chapter 1, verse 4, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times of the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Still at this point, Jesus' disciples were distracted and looking in the wrong direction. I mean, can you imagine? Jesus has risen from the dead. And they're seeing him as a resurrected Lord. But immediately their brain is still looking for some kind of a geopolitical move. They're looking to the natural. Why? I mean, you look at this. It's like this doesn't even really fit. Why, why are they asking him this? Well, are you going to restore the kingdom right now? Are we going to whoop them Romans now? And he's like, that's, that's the father's business. You don't worry about that. What you need to be focused on is what's coming now. Jesus wanted them to receive the promise of the father and be baptized in the Holy Spirit so the next after could come. Notice verse 8. He says, but you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You know, I think that this is part of the thing with being baptized in the Holy Spirit that we get wrong sometimes. We don't see this as a transition. We only see this as I get baptized in the Holy Ghost, it's going to fix it all. 
But the baptism in the Holy Spirit in my life has been a dramatic encounter and a life change. But it has also been an amazing doorway for me to walk into other things that God... My life is completely different. My life is one that I live and cultivate the Spirit-filled life. Yes, I pray in tongues all the time. I stir up the Spirit of God. But it takes me places. There's an after point to being filled. We can't use the baptism in the Holy Spirit like some do. Well, it's like a coffee cup or a t-shirt. It's like a badge. Well, I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, and, and but that's the end of it. You know, there's whole denominations like that. They built their whole denomination on getting baptized in the Holy Ghost, but then they never went anywhere else after that. And I'm thinking, where's my after moment here? What are we doing? We're looking for the power of God. And we keep stimulating and stirring it up and saying, God, however you want to do it in the hour that we find ourselves, that's what we want in our life today. You'll receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the ends of the earth. Hallelujah. So while the baptism of the Holy Spirit is important, you always ask yourself the question. Train yourself this way. Why? When God does something in your life, why? Now I will say there are times God won't have a discussion with you about everything that he's doing. But I have found it's very wise to back up and ask why because I found him willing to have a lot of discussions that until I ask why, there was not a real discussion about it. Why did you do this in my life? Why did you place a call on me? You'll receive power. Everybody say power. power. We know the word dynamis. Strength, ability, power, inherent power, power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature, that which a person or thing exerts and puts forth, power for performing miracles, moral power, excellence of soul. My God, I'm going to tell you something. The power of the Holy Ghost isn't just for healing the sick. It's also for getting you out of the stuff that you get stuck in. The ways that you think of yourself as a powerless, helpless, hopeless person. It will... Hallelujah. I'm telling you... Listen, I know that we all deal with stuff, sins in our life, things that we struggle with. You know, the answer is still the same. Yes, I will repent of it and confess it to God. But then I'm going to turn to the power. The power that will change that. I have met people a long time. I just recently had two women in our church that were at odds with one another. They had one of them children scuffles. The mama bear anointing. Now listen to me now. Now listen, I, I understand Mama Bear anointing. But you get full of the Holy Ghost, God can do so much more with you. It was like I couldn't get, I, I, one of them was more open than the other one, but the other one was completely shut down. No discussion. They're crazy. They're hostile. No, it's evil. And it's like, God, you have to do something. And you know what God did? God did this. God visited this one woman and said, I want you to do something to break this open. Well, the other woman is completely shut off. And he said, I want you to go over and I want you to grab them and I want you to begin to twirl and dance with them in the middle of a church service. <laughs> oh, go ahead now. <laughs> that 
And I'm telling you, that morning service, we had already come to the end of the service. And I noticed the one mom didn't come into the line. You know, we had a big long line and we prayed for people. Well, I just saw her get up and head over there. And I mean, I'm catching this thing out of the corner of my eye. And, you know, it's almost like that one mama's mad, you know, and eyes get big and tense and all that. And then that one come up and just grabbed them and began to twirl and dance with them. And you talk about break. And they began to embrace and they began to forgive. And they began to get right with one another. And God, God restored that relationship. See, the How'd that happen? Well, somebody yielded to the Holy Ghost, the power. And the power to do it and the power to bring it to pass. See, I'm looking for that kind of a thing in my life all the time. It isn't just so I can speak in tongues. It's so God can take me somewhere. I've got to be filled. I've got to be filled and filled again. Why do you need to be filled again? Well, it's simple. You do leak. You have holes in your boat. And you need God to keep filling you over and over again. You need to receive this. And you need to stir this up. And then you need to carry it somewhere else. You know what I think? I think, my personal opinion, God is arresting a generation right now. People that I'm looking at in my own life that I'm like, I didn't think were. I mean, I've got these saints in the church, young Think they know more than you sometimes? And they're, they're cussing saints and sipping saints and, you know, they fudge on the line a little bit. You know, it's, a, it's legal. And it's like, yeah, but it's not profitable. Yeah, but it's okay. A little won't hurt you. And they just dance on the line. And I've you know, had discussions with them all the time. I don't think you need to lay that aside. It don't look good. It, it causes people to stumble, and it's going to hang you up if you're not careful. Well, then I'm seeing these same people have an encounter with God out of nowhere, have a touch from God since the beginning of the year. And now they're calling me on the phone and saying, you know what? I don't need that sip every night. Why do I need that? You know, it just dawned on me, Pastor. I don't need that anymore. That doesn't fit with my, what, what God's doing in my life. You know, I asked God to take my cusser away. And you know what he did? He touched me. He touched me and he took it away. And you know what? I get upset. I don't let it fly anymore. It doesn't come out anymore. You know what? Uh, I think we ought to be loving. And I'm going, am I hearing this right? I think we ought to be patient and loving with people and understanding. I'm like, you're the person that wanted me to execute everybody in the church. I mean, you're literally looking at people going, who are you? Except, you know, they, they, they're, they're who they're supposed to be. And here's the deal. It's not just for them. It's for everybody in this room. Everybody in the body of Christ. God is setting us up because there's an after moment coming. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for the after. You ready for the after? Hallelujah. Let's stand up. Praise God. I want you to put your hands in the air. I want you to stir it. I know we went a little bit long today. I know I went over. Tammy's probably timing me. Yeah, she's, she's turning it off. She's clicking it off. How long was it? Almost, see. I beat her. Amen. I beat her. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Father in heaven. I want you to throw your hands up in the air and stir up by praying in the Holy Ghost. 
And listen to me, I want you to exercise your tongue and your mouth, but I want you to stir it up in your belly. I don't know if you've understood this yet, but there's a river inside of you, and you can sense that. It's something that can stir up out of your belly. It flows up out of you. It flows over the deserts of your mind. It flows over your emotions. It flows over your body. It flows up, and it causes life to come. It's like a, a rain. It waters the desert in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Lord, we're looking for the power of God. We're stirring ourselves up in the after moment. Lord, we're looking for what you're about to do. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for everything you've done. But thank you for what you're about to add to us. Thank you for what you're about to bring into us. Lord, everything is worth what we've had to go through to get to this moment. And Father God, Lord, right now, Lord, we want to encounter and we want to live out the dream that you have purpose. Lord, we are asking and saying, why? And we're wanting you to bring to us an understanding as we step out, whether it's a revelation or whether we're walking it out. God, we're looking for the why moment in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, as you capture a generation, Lord, show them who you are. Straighten out who they think you are and show them who you really are. Lord, cause us to realign with the purpose that you prepared for us in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hold that thought just for a moment. Lift up them hands. Cherie, I hear the Holy Spirit saying you're entering into a season of the most effectiveness that you've been. The most effective that you've been. The most effective that you've been. Hallelujah. He's going before you. And you're not going to have to kick so many doors down. Hearts are, I'm telling you, he's preparing hearts. And the door of the heart is falling inward. It's, it's collapsing. The hinges are not able to keep it shut and locked. And the Spirit of God is uh, sending you and thrusting you into that moment. Hallelujah. Effectiveness belongs to you in Jesus' name in this season of your life in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you would, just put your hands on your, on your body right now. Put your hands on your body. Let's pray for you to be healed and well. I know many of you may be all right, but if you've got anything going on, Listen to me, I really, I really believe this. I, I really think that if we read passages in the Scripture like they come out of Egypt and there wasn't a feeble one among them, and we're looking at our own covenant as a much more superior covenant, and we're about to go in and possess our promised land, do you think that God is going to leave a feeble one among us? See, I'm, I'm crazy enough to believe that there's some sweep of healing. And it's more than just a showy thing. It's something where God re-straightens us out to position us so we go in and we actually fulfill our destiny in these last days. So I'm telling you, God wants to heal that high blood sugar, that high blood pressure. God wants to heal that cholesterol reading. God wants to heal that arthritic joint. God wants to heal those eye issues, those hearing issues. God wants to heal the stuff that's going on that the doctor says you don't have a cure. Hallelujah.
My son just got healed of gluten intolerance, and my son has been deathly sick from gluten for several years now, almost hospitalized if he even had one bite of gluten. And God has touched him, and God has healed him, and he's eaten whole pans of cinnamon rolls. I don't know where it's going from there. Whole pans of cinnamon rolls. Praise God. And not sick at all. Hallelujah. So, Father God, I ask you to heal your people today. You are the healer, and you are willing. Lord, your promise is by his stripes we were healed. We receive that promise today for our body. Lord, we ask you to heal us of the things that have afflicted us, the wear and the tear, the age-related issues. Lord, we ask you to touch us in Jesus' name. Will we get a good night's sleep, but we're not tossing and turning anymore. We're not full of anxiety that the thoughts don't bombard our mind at night and we become restless. God, I pray right now that peace descend on us and begin to straighten it out and heal it, Father. In the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, break that thing that, that seems to be lording over us. And today, we just decide, Jesus is Lord. Nothing else is Lord, just Jesus. And we come up under the umbrella of God. And we just say, we're living up under here and we're getting out from under the rain. We've decided today, Lord, that we want all that you've prepared for us. In the name of Jesus, we're looking for the after. The after. The after, praise the Lord. Heal the, heal the body. Lord, even bruising. Even internal things that we can't see where somebody's been wounded by somebody else's words. It's really time to move out of that. It's time to separate from that. It's time that we stop identifying with the wound of the past that somebody did. Lord, we are not that person. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hey, sister, I know. Can I pray for you? I, I, can, can you come up and let me pray for you? I know you got, can somebody help? You got some uh, responsibility? Oh, you can come too if you want. You want to come? You're like, I'm not sure. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I bet you didn't think I was about to call you out. <laughs> Hallelujah. Boy, you are a fine young man. Oh, a little bit crazy, huh? Well, boy, I'll tell you, that makes, that, that's just fun though, isn't it? Uh -huh. Yeah, we'll call it that. Hallelujah. God's doing something in you today. Uh, in fact, I see things getting settled, a settling of things. You're, 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 you're concluding a chapter of your life where it's been hard and you're now about to move into another chapter of your life where ability you're not going to drown you're going to float you're going to you're going to ride on top hallelujah you know there are moments in life where the hand of god comes upon people's lives and it is such a dramatic change from what they've been used to that that sometimes they have to let go of living in emergency or living in crisis or living in that kind of a season and your season is changing and it's it's it'll, it'll you, the new season will come with its own challenges but you know what you're up to it there's far more that's been deposited in you than uh, even you think 
has even been growing in there. It's just that you've been in one place where you've had to operate, and those, those things that are now sprouting and growing in you don't really, it's not for this place. It's for this one you're about to go to. And so you're going to step over in it. It's going to be different. And all of a sudden, you're going to realize, I've got it. I've got it. I've got God has put it in my hand. And your life is going to be different. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I see a settling happening, healing happening to you. Praise the Lord. So, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for your, your hand to be on her. In, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You know, I just keep seeing it in my spirit right now, like bones popping back into place. And, you know, I know that's probably not a natural thing because I don't see any bones out. But I'm telling you, when bones are out, mobility is difficult. Things don't wear. Your skin don't even wear well. Bones are out of place. I think God's doing it inside of you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Thank you. In the name of Jesus. Filled. 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 The Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus. There we go. Praise God. I always am fascinated with that. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Different. Different season for you. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Let me pray for you, Brother Eric. Hallelujah. Man, you're looking great. I'm jealous. Man. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this, this man of God. The man of God. Eric, I want you to say, I'm a man of God. I believe that. Say it again. I'm a man of God. I want you to hold them hands up and say it. That's right. Say it again. Say, I am a man of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, that's the coat you wear. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Father. Lord, I pray for Eric, and I just ask you, Lord, that you would bring such a level of peace, such a level. Lord, I, I, we use the word peace, but Lord, I know today, like tranquility, 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 contentment, contentment of soul, contentment from the inside in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray for the for the satisfying of his, of his lips, the satisfying of his mouth, the satisfying of his soul, in the name of Jesus. Lord, he walks away from this moment with God, and he says, I have need of nothing else. I have what God has put in my life. Hallelujah. 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 Okay, I'll tell him. I hear the Holy Spirit saying that um, that ghost that you battled, 
you know, ghosts are just, just kind of, uh, kind of like images, you know. It's not just spirits, but it's, but it's images or hauntings of things that we have perceived and thought that just, just pester us and bug us. And I see the Lord cleansing you of those kinds of things where you don't feel the torments or the hauntings of things that had ruled you in the past. In your mind, in the way you saw, the way that you received. In the name of Jesus, Father, I thank you for healing this man. I bless him today in Jesus' name. I thank you for tranquility and peace. One more time, say, I'm a man of God. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Praise the Lord. Amen. Everybody say, I'm glad I came to church today. Listen to me. Something's happening in this house. There's a cloud in this place, and it's just on the heads of everybody. It's just sitting in the house. Hallelujah. My God, what is he going to do in Winter's Church? In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. All right, praise God. Pastor, I'm going to give it to you today. Thank you for coming this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's give the Lord a great big shout. Amen. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. We have another opportunity to be in his presence tonight. Pastor Ben will be back here tonight, 6 o'clock. I'm looking forward to it. We are going to have a, it's going to be a hot time in the old town tonight. Amen. That's an old song. But anyway, um, I do sense something in my spirit, so I'm going to turn you loose, but here's what I want to do. If you are battling with sickness in your body, if you're battling with sickness, I know Pastor Ben prayed, but if you're battling with sickness in your body, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says if there are any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church. Let them anoint your head with their head with oil. Pray the prayer of faith. Prayer of faith will save the sick. The Lord will raise them up. So here's what, here's what I feel like the Holy Ghost wants us to do. We're going, we're going to snag some oil around here somewhere. And um, if you want to receive uh, the laying on of hands before you get out of the building, I'm going to ask Pastor Ben and Tammy, and I'm going to ask Pastor Andy to come up here. And we are going to personally lay hands on you. Listen, we're not going to just stop and be, you know, us spitting all over you and pushing, shoving them. You're just going to walk by. We're going to lay our hands on you. We're going to declare the Word of God done, and you can walk out of here. Uh, right from there, if that's what you want to do, you just walk right by and walk right out. But we definitely just want to lay our hands on you and agree with heaven and agree with the word of God and declare healing over your body. And because uh, I know that there are many of you that have struggled with sickness and with infirmity, and it's an attack of the enemy against some of you, some of your families, and uh, some of you you can't you can't even attend church regular for as much as you're battling with uh, different. Uh, ailments and afflictions. So uh, let's do that. Someone, someone locate some oil for me. And uh, come on, Pastor Andy. And uh, hermana, hermana pastora. <laughs> she loves it when I tell her like that. Anyway, so um, <laughs> she doesn't really, she doesn't really love it. And, uh, but we're, we're going to dismiss you here in, in a moment. In fact, 
Uh, just, just come. Uh, you know what? Here, here, can we do it this way? Well, that's, is that all the oil we got? Does someone have some oil in their purse? Some kind of, okay, wonderful. Yeah, I hate to, hate to use this vegetable oil. I don't think it's really that good for you anyhow. But anyway, can I do this? Can we do this? Can I have you all line up in a single file line from this way? We're going to walk you guys this way and then out. So yeah, kind of, kind of get back in a line from right here. Yeah, line up just in a single file line toward the back like you're lining up for chow. Amen. Yeah, line up. There you go. They're coming, they're coming around. People are coming around. Just get in the line and then make your way around here. Make your way around here. And we're just going to have you come right through. And we're going to lay our hands on you. And we're going to pray. Thank God. Amen. We're not going to grease you down. Don't worry. We're not going to pour buckets of oil on you. We're just going to, amen. We're going to bring you through. So if, listen, if you're struggling with sickness, huh? What, what is it? Yeah, yeah, that'll work. Amen. It's just in a prettier bottle. <laughs> I think this is, yeah, oh, a tree's got a little bit here. Yeah, okay. Thank you, Anna. Thank you, Cherie. Praise the Lord. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to get some honest. I know I don't typically like to anoint people this way, just with a little dab, but uh, today it'll suffice. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord. All righty. Amen. Are you all ready? I just want you to come walking this way, and we're just going to put our hands on you. Amen. Thank you, Father. Well, Lord, we do what your word says. You said anoint them with oil. Pray the prayer of faith. Prayer of faith would save the sick. The Lord would raise them up. So in the name of Jesus, I declare healing over you and over your whole family. I thank God that we're breaking the curse of sickness, the curse of infirmity. Over you now in the name of Jesus. Be healed. Be healed in the name of Jesus. 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 In the name of Jesus, be made whole. 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 For the glory of God, be healed. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Every sickness, every infirmity, be gone in Jesus' name. We drive you out in the name of Jesus. We say you have no place in the name of Jesus. We declare you've got to go in the name of Jesus. Be healed in the name of Jesus. I thank you for it, Father. I thank you for healing and wholeness. I thank you, Lord, that today every sickness and every infirmity departs from the bodies of every one of these people. In the name of Jesus, be healed. In the name of Jesus, be healed. In the name of Jesus, be healed. In Jesus' name, the anointing is working right now in the name of Jesus. The Spirit of God is working right now. Receive your healing in the name of Jesus. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Be healed in the name of Jesus. 
Be healed in the name of Jesus. Be healed in the name of Jesus. In his name be healed. In the mighty and in the matchless name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be healed. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Be made whole in Jesus' name. Every sickness, every affliction, every infirmity, be gone from you in the name of Jesus. Be gone from you in the name of Jesus. Come out of him in Jesus' name. You got to go in the name of Jesus. Lord, give me your double dose in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, be healed. In the name of Jesus, be healed. In the name of Jesus, ocean, be healed. Amen. Amen. Thank God, thank God, thank God. Well, glory to God. Amen. We receive today. We receive today. Listen, I love you all. Tonight, 6 o'clock, come join us. Go in his presence before you leave today. Love someone because you do. I will see you back here 6 p.m. Let's come expectant. Let's come believing God. And let's let the Lord finish what he started here today. In Jesus' name.